Coming up on episode 14 of Off Air with Joe and Oral. Our guest is the Dodgers Director of Player Performance, Brandon McDaniels, in his eighth year in the big leagues uh, with the Dodgers and brings a perspective, Oral, that only he can bring. He's going to share some great stories, some great details. He's got particularly close relationships with some of the guys that have been there a longer time, Clayton Kershaw, Justin Turner, and stories and details that only Brandon is going to be able to give you. If you work out at home and you trust your different coaches, you get the inside information. Pull back the curtain on the guy that trains the guys on your favorite team. Sold. I'm listening. What else? Well, Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts is actually, again, fantastic. This might be the most relaxed interview I've heard Dave Roberts do of the 14 we've done with him, and it's exciting. He even tells a really cute story about Jock Peterson and Cody Bellinger. In the midst of the pandemic, they are able to talk to each other a lot louder, and they had a good back and forth. (laughs) All right, all that more coming up here on episode 14. Today's podcast is brought to you by San Manuel Casino. AMPM, Q-Cells, and Security Benefit. You're really good at that part. I think we should let you do it every week. Thank you. Uh, Sam Manuel Casino, now open, wants to thank you for waiting and doing your part to stay safe. Now they're ready to do theirs. You'll notice increased health and safety measures in place for all the casino's valued guests and team members, including extra care with cleanliness, training team members on current safety measures, and rearranging the fun and thrills on site that'll give you more space to play safely. Through the new San Manuel Mobile Meals Program, guests can take their favorite food for takeout using their mobile device. And our new guest safety concierge team is working around the clock to take care of you. Although things might look a little different, San Manuel Casino's dedication to warm greetings and friendly service remains. For more information on what to expect during your visit, go to sanmanuel.com slash safety. As a proud partner of the Dodgers, AMPM wants to remind you that they're your one-stop shop for all your baseball snack cravings. Whether you're wanting a delicious Dodger dog or a rib sandwich, or maybe just want to sneak in a fountain drink and a warm cookie, AMPM's got all your snacking bases covered. So you can pick up some nachos, listen to me and Joe talk to your favorite players, and then it's almost like baseball is back. AMPM, too much good stuff. Harness unlimited energy from the sun through solar, a sustainable investment for energy independence. Curious to see if solar is worth it for you? Calculate your savings with Q-Cells, the number one solar panel market share leader and official solar partner of the Dodgers. Visit Q-Cells at www.q-cells.us to learn more today. Every winning season is built on a strong team, a team committed to executing a solid game plan. At Security Benefit, we want to help you and your advisor build your retirement game plan to help you stay committed during these uncertain times so that when it's time to execute, you know what you've got, a solid team behind you. When it comes to retirement, losing is not an option. Talk to your financial advisor to see how you can plan for retirement. Security Benefit is a proud sponsor of the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is episode 14 of Off Air, so hit it, Frankie.
All right, so you're back at the park after this long layoff. What's it been like? Has it been weird? Has it been fun? What, what kind of your emotions so far, Brandon? Uh, I've been very fortunate to have been able to kind of ease into this. Like we were able to get back in here, you know, a few weeks back, start working out on a one-to-one basis outside, kind of introduce guys to the weight room, um, all like being extremely diligent with cleaning, with masks, with social distancing and all that. So like really all this is, is, is just uh, a very, you know, upscaled version of what we were doing. We just have a lot more people around. Um, it's fascinating to watch number one, like just like the operations it's, it's really humbling to watch like lives change our jobs change, I guess, which ultimately like affects livelihood, like our medical staff, I don't know if they've slept in a month. I, I do not envy what they have to do. Like it is, it, it is really tough and, and, and challenging. And there's a lot, like, I'm sure they feel like there's a lot of pressure on them. I don't know if there is, but I'm sure they feel like they've got to do some things. I'm watching our chefs and our dietitians like change the absolute way we do food. Like we're eating outside now. You can have food inside. Everything has to be individually portioned out. There's no more buffets. And, and so like, I'm, I'm under the mindset of, the, the building's flooding. I'm going to grab a bucket and help. And then whatever, you know, whatever time I have left over for the players is to make sure that we get, get ready by the season. And so I, I can't be happier to be back. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Um, I think I used the line with oral the other day, like it's extremely complicated, but therapeutic at the same time. Yeah. Is it a big shift from phone calls and paperwork to now so hands-on like just a big huge shift yeah we went from uh a longer off season than we normally had in you know after after losing in the ds last year to coming in to spring training arguably the best spring training that i've had in nine years here that i've been a part of in nine years and i, I think we say that every year but like we're obviously extremely talented and we have a great like great mix so it's probably the best of those two combinations to like what the heck is going on in the world and we went back into this like tweener offseason mode of let's hover like we could be four weeks we could be six weeks we could be 12 weeks we had no idea and i remember being on a call with gums and prior very early uh during the shutdown and kind of throwing darts at july one like thinking july one was going to be the day uh, that we would know whether this was going to happen or not, or we'd be talking about showing up. And so luckily because of that, like we were able to, to hover and, and get guys built up as much as we possibly could under the, under the, you know, constraints to now it's like, Oh, we're here. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta do this. Like we have 21 days to get position players ready to play four games in a row. We have 21 days to get five starting pitchers, six starting pitchers, whatever it is, build up to, you know, I'm not saying what we'd normally be in spring training, but enough to uh, to go out and compete and not have to waste a bullpen or run through a bullpen in, in the first two games of a series. And then lastly, like we got to figure out new routines because it doesn't just show up to the ballpark when you want to anymore. Like you're, you're checking in and getting your temperatures taken and, and you can only have six people in the weight room and six people in the training room and whatever it might be. So um, there's a lot going on in the next 21 days. Anybody in particular, Brandon, that showed up after not seeing them, maybe other than just FaceTime for a few months, that showed up, walked through the door, and you said, dang, you look Gratterall. Gratterall. Yeah. 
Yeah, Gratterall looks great. I, I can't tell if Gratterall is going to play like middle linebacker for the Rams <laughs> or, or you know, uh, shut down like big innings for us. Yeah. He is just, he is something else, man. When he is put together, you run into that in the hallway and it's not fun. What did he do to, to look the way he looks? He just continued to work out. Like we, we gave him some equipment. Um, I think this really affected everybody's diet because it wasn't just easy to go to restaurants and, and eat the way yeah. that you normally ate. But I think that like the blessing in disguise is really kind of changed the way that people have gone about their food. Uh, but yeah, he continued to work out. He continued to throw, uh, he was in Arizona. So we had hands, eyes and hands on as much as we you can't say hands on anymore, but we had eyes on him as much <laughs> as we possibly could. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of guys though. Like Corey Seager is, like Corey Seager looks like Corey Seager. Wow. I'm so excited to what I've seen in the last eight weeks and how I wrote 15 weeks of workouts for Corey, which is as long as our off season was, by the way, just for those counting at home. Um, he, Corey looks like Corey. It has been like a pleasure and so much fun to, to like work with him and talk with him over the last 15 weeks. Cause when he gets in the box now, like there is, there's that Corey Seager presence. That's three years in the making to get back there. Yeah. What's the biggest thing that you have to watch for moving from a guy who's just doing his off season workouts, maybe getting his swings in the cages or throwing his side works, but he's also doing his cardio and his lifting. What's the biggest change then when they get onto the field and all of a sudden it's more full-time baseball? Yeah. I think the first and foremost thing is like, we have great workers and we have guys that, that throw, that run, that lift and, and hit whatever, whatever their modality is. But no matter what, when you get around your buddies and you get around your team and, and cameras around you, like you take it to another level. And, and so bullpens become a little bit firmer batting practice. The swings get a little bit more, um, intentful and in the weight room, you get in a little bit of a competition, whether you admit it or not. And so being extremely mindful, and I don't want to tell guys to back off and go. Like we've got to get ready to play. But if if you introduced a new stress today, maybe we should wait till tomorrow to introduce the next stress and the next stress and the next stress. And we'll get back to all the, being able to do all those things in one day, but we don't have to conquer this, in, you know, in one year or, or excuse me, in one day or one week or whatever. We'll talk a little more, Brandon, about the current Dodgers and the current season, but I want to get into your background a little bit. Really interesting background. You play college baseball. You start your professional career in baseball, but then you go work in the military. You train soldiers at Fort Meade before getting back into baseball. What was that crossover like, and are there crossovers between training people for the military and training people to play Major League Baseball? Yeah, um, obviously, like, huge perspective switch when I went from working in baseball to working in the military with the department of defense. Um, the first and foremost thing that I noticed right away, it's a select group of men and women that have their own little clubhouse. And so oddly enough, it, it, it gave that same sense of being a part of something. It gave that same sense of like locker room type stuff. Um, and so very similar mindsets. Secondly, I got in the I got into working in the military thinking like whatever I say they're gonna do, like that's the military, right? Like jumping out high. Yeah, that's the complete opposite. Really? Yeah. And but they do it from a good place. There's a lot of questions asked. Um they 
you know, we hear it all the time. Like, this is my career and this is what got me here to this point. Like as a special ops, as a department of defense, whatever, you're saying this is what's got me to this point. Why would I change that? You really need to convince me. Mm-hmm. Um, the mindsets are very similar, like the, the, how they're wired and their routines and how they go about their things. Very similar. The two biggest differences, obviously the obvious one, like they're, they're fighting for our country and fighting for their lives. We're, we're not doing that in a baseball locker room. And then just the, you don't get to see him at seven o'clock. Like I get to see Clayton Kershaw take the mound at seven ten. I never got to see an athlete in the military do their job. And that's tough as a strength coach to like, to be able to watch Curtis McMahon, he's not getting over his front side like he was before, or um, torso angle is not the same thing. Like when you don't get to see somebody do what they do for a living in real time, it's it's tough to, to work backwards from that. Like for me, when I meet the younger guys in this generation, they don't have any idea a lot of times what I did or where I was. So you have to earn the respect. People don't know your background when all of a sudden they walk into a locker room. So you have to earn their respect too. Yeah, absolutely. And I, everything is kind of derived from love, in my opinion. Um, when I was younger, my first go around in baseball, like everything was derived from like, I want to be the best coach. I want to I get the most, I want to get the best information to you to make you successful. And I think it came from a really good place, but I think I came off very brash at times because it was just black and white. Here it is. Why don't, why don't you do it? And now like, I, I just have, and it's one of the models that I tell our, our whole performance staff is like, your love has to be unconditional for these guys. They're not going to agree with us all the time. They're not going to agree with us a lot. And they're going to do some things that really, it's like your children. They're going to do some things that really upset you and, and make you want to pull your hair out. And for me, like I, that stuff doesn't bother me. Like I look forward to those challenges every day of having those tough conversations and and players always see that I'm going to be the same guy every day because of that. Like we can disagree, we can argue. And then the next day, like, what do you need? How can I help you? What do we need to do to get you ready to help us tonight? And, and from that, I think um, I've had some really good luck of, of having uh, good relationships with players. Any of the current Dodgers cut out for uh, military training? Well, I, I mean, Kirsch, obviously like Kirsch would, yeah. Kirsch would fit right in with, with, with that <laughs> yeah. and, and just his, his ability to separate really quickly um, what he needs to do on the baseball field and then how to, how he treats people, you know, outside of that. Like he can, he can hone in and seem like the most intense person in the world. And then as soon as it's, as soon as it's over, he obviously is the most humble human being most of us have ever been around. Um, you know, after that, Seager's got some qualities that, um, that would make me believe that that he would fit right into that community. Barnsey, um, Barnsey would fit. fit Barnsey would be on point, wouldn't he? He'd be the point guy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, he's definitely, you know, there's also some, like, there's some unassuming guys that could be the Jason Bourne type, like Adam Cleric. Oh yeah. Look out, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you. You see Adam Kalerik, you see Ratterall walk down the street, and you know that's a professional athlete. Yeah. You see Kalerik walk down the street, and he could be the most, you know, he could be professional athlete or the accountant. Yeah, or special agent. Or special yeah. agent. And so mm-hmm. I'll tell him that one, like, hey, you're, you live in Maryland. If this, 
when this baseball thing's over, like you might have a calling as just a just a normal dude. And I want to say that his father has a background in what is it FBI or something government related. So maybe he actually is a special agent. Yeah, I knew Spores. I knew Spores has that. Okay, right. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure Spores' parents know more about me than I know about me. <laughs> a little <laughs> troubling, but uh, hey, you, you mentioned Kershaw. You, uh, you guys have a very tight relationship. He relies on you a lot for, you know, we talk about the maniacal schedule that he's got. You are right there every step of the way through that schedule. Have you ever screwed it up and been off time? First day, first start of the 2014 spring training, and I'm running around with my head cut off. I just had a baby. Caleb was just born, and no excuse, but, like, there's a lot going on in my brain, and I'm supposed to be out 34 minutes before the game starts, before first pitch to stretch him out. I figured it out at like 28 minutes. Like I'm six minutes late. I don't go. I'm like, nope, I'm not, I'm not going. Cause he's, he's already moved on. He's in the pen by now. So I wait in, you know, at CBR where the tunnel's at, um, where you walk up the stairs to get to the backside of the clubhouse. Yeah. And I wait there until he comes out and I just see the shadow and I just hear him like, you weren't there. And I was like, I, I listen, I'm, no excuse. It'll never happen again. And so I have not like, and Alana gives me crap because Alana's sitting in the dugout before every game, right? She's sitting in the booth or sitting in the well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she just like points to her watch. Because I'm a little the story, obviously. It's like, I, I have a feeling that if I was going to be late, Alana would, Alana would call me or set off an alarm. So I feel really good that Kirsch has two people making sure that he's going to get stretched. But there's, there's a lot, like, I, it would be easier if everybody was like that, mm-hmm. but not everybody operates that way. And I wouldn't expect them to, but I just appreciate it so much. And I've, I've always said this about Kirsch. Kirsch knows his body so well because he has a routine. So when something little is off in the normal guy, who's not paying attention, they don't realize it until it's too late. When something's off with Kirsch, he knows instantly and he does he can he now has time to actually like fix the situation before we get going Hmm. um and so that that is like hands down the most important part of it people can say whatever they want of the routine or give him crap for being so strict but i appreciate it because he's gonna he's going to play the game as long as he wants to because of that and it sure has been cool to watch him evolve the last few years hasn't it right like obviously like there's the there's the obvious like he became a dad and i think that 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 changes all of us now he's got him and i both have three kids so we have a lot of conversations about that we both have kids that are uh, very young now in the months and so we talk about the lack of sleep that comes with that uh but obviously on the pitching side we've all seen what he what he's done and to be still like at the top of the game and, and to still go out and give your chance to win, uh, give your team a chance to win every five days. For me personally, it's been really cool to watch him, watch him work in the weight room. Because it, when I got here, it was 24 year old, 23 year old, just coming off of Cy Young, Clayton Kershaw, that, that lifted like a 23 year old. And now like 
I don't, I still think that he lifts like a 23 year old because he's that athletic, but he's changed the way he goes about his business. And is just always so open. Like no one can, no one can sit in a room with the people that he gets to sit in a room with. Like I think about the people I've been exposed to just because of like Sandy comes down and talks about pitching with Kirsch and I'm like trying to get as good as possible as I can just to yeah. hear um, he has, he has an unbelievable ability to take one good thing or one great thing from every conversation and figure out how he can apply it to his game. And he also is the best at being like, that's really good. I don't think now's a good time to add it. So I'm going to add it when the time is right or next year or whatever it might be. Like I've always said, like with his programs, like there's a cutoff date. And when he gets the cutoff date, like this is what we're doing that year. And we're going to mess around with the, the semantics of it but we're not introducing anything to anything new until next year. And that like back to your point earlier, oral of when guys show up to spring training, like we can't change too much. We can't just all of a sudden like develop a new routine and Kirsch is, Kirsch is on point with that. That old cliche, when guys come into spring training, they always say, you know, this is the best shape I've ever been in. And it's a cliche because it's a fact, right? Cause we gain knowledge every year. We get new ways to go about it and learn our body and get more knowledge. What did we learn this year coming into this year that you're trying to adapt with guys? Uh, well, we did that. So into this 2.0 summer camp thing, um, I have a, like, I have an unbelievable staff. So as much as I talk about the players, like Travis Smith, Brian Stoneberg and myself have been together for nine years. That's really cool. Like that is like the part that I will always take to the grave with me is like, we've had great continuity and we've grown together as people and as professionals. And so Sony is kind of like, he's the mad scientist of the group and he always has great ideas. And so we always implement uh, a lot of his programming, especially he runs all of our minor league programming. Trav has just grown tremendously over the years and is now our, you know, our head strength coach. And we did this Franz Bosch course. I think you saw some of it oral in spring training, Franz mm -hmm. from the Netherlands. And we started talking about like how the pelvis moves and, and how basically your limbs play together and your torso plays together when, when you do movements, when you do running or when you do throwing or when you do hitting. And usually we, we take those courses and we kind of storm away until the next year and we figure out how we're going to implement it. Trav saw like an opening in our programming right away that there was low risk and he got all this hip locking stuff in with our runners and with our position players. And now Stoney's doing it with our pitchers. And so like teaching their guys how to use their pelvis and how to co-contract like their whole hip when they're doing a movement, it, the, the early returns, I say early, like we haven't even played a game yet, but the early return <laughs> have been great. They've been really good. And, and so it's just, it's given us, it's given us a new way of going about our business that's qualitative and not quantitative. And I know we live in an age like everybody wants to quantify everything. Like we really, really focus on the quality of how the pelvis moves because it plays with the low back. It plays with hamstrings. It plays with a lot of things that get injured in baseball. And we feel like if we can get that thing moving more precisely, that we're going to be performing at a higher level, but also have the ability to be durable. You know, listening to you talk about that, that doesn't sound like a quote, strength and conditioning coach talking and that's what your title was to begin but the position has evolved to where it's a whole lot more than that you're now the director of player performance 
I mean, first of all, no pressure, right? That title is like when they don't perform, we'll just get mad at Brandon. What falls Which under very that? well could be the it could be the thing. It could be Andrew's thing. He's like, well, let's just give him this title and yeah, all good after that. It'd be easy to ax him then when the when the team doesn't play well. See you, Brandon. They didn't perform well. What does that involve? Um, yeah, I think there's like. There's the high performance model out there, which everybody talks about in, in a lot of foreign sports, a lot of soccer, rugby, things like that. And the high performance model is usually somebody that runs strength, and conditioning, nutrition, medical, sports science, and sports psychology. Um, Andrew obviously like goes about his business uh, in a much different way than, than most leaders do, and, and he's very creative and very open. And I think that he does an unbelievable job of putting people in positions of strength. And so lack of a better term, I'm, my strength is in the weight room. My strength is with nutrition. My strength is with sports science. Um, and so I'm kind of overseeing all of those areas and, and trying to put ourselves in the best position possible to transition to the field. And the reason why it's called player performance is I think that too many times these, these performance roles take on, it's like, it's its own sport. We play baseball. And I want our guys to be the best baseball players ever. And so there's some really cool stuff that goes on in the weight room. And there's some really cool stuff that goes on in all these arenas. But in our motto is if, if you ask yourself, I tell our Miley strength coaches this, if you're in a dilemma and you say, should I do this or not? You have to ask yourself, is it going to help him be a better baseball player? And if the answer is yes, you will never be wrong. If the answer is no, then you probably need to either find out a better way to explain it or not do it at all. And so I'm, I'm, I work closely with Mark. I work closely with Robin Brandt, obviously Connor McGinnis, Rob Hill, like all, we're all kind of like a tight knit group. If someone's not spinning a breaking ball the right way, there's a biomechanical reason for that. We might be able to affect that in the weight room. If somebody's not finishing the sixth and seventh inning the same way that they were the first and second, that could be a micronutrient, micronutrient issue. That could be a macronutrient issue. It could be a conditioning issue. And so we're working backwards on all that stuff just to make sure that no, no stones left unturned. You look towards if an exercise makes them a better baseball player, but there also has to be a risk reward also on some of the exercises, right? Totally. And that, and that goes into it because if there's, if there's risk, 51% risk, 52% risk, even that this could potentially hurt somebody, it's not going to make them a better player. Um, and at risk usually has to do with time in my mind. And so we send players to do weight of all programs, or we send players to get on like more intense strength and conditioning programs that usually is coming at a downtime. We would never introduce that February 15th when guys get their physical done. I'm fortunate enough to uh, get in uniform in spring training. And I've watched over probably the last five years, something developed that I thought was very interesting, which was you guys plotting how hard a guy runs during a game, how the rest quotient has really kind of been upgraded or at least more specifically evaluated. Yeah. Yeah. We're um, so like it started when I was in Pittsburgh, Kyle Stark who's a former farm director uh, had a five second rule and we did times on every guy that the strength coaches were the cops. We were the, we were the traffic officers that if somebody ran over five seconds, we had to walk down to the manager and say such and such ran 5.1. He had to yank him out of the game. Well, so we took, imagine having seven affiliates plus the Dominican Republic, 140 games. We got every base running time over the span of that for three years. So we had a pretty good little data set. 
So it went from being like traffic police to we found out that because of that five second rule that our guys were running faster in August than they were in April. And then when I got here, Stan Conti was really big on plotting like hamstring injuries, like why things were happening. So then we started counting uh, distances and, and reps and things like that to see if there's a workload issue. Now, like my big thing is, is comparing all that stuff to understand like Corey Seager goes to his left better than his right. So do we need to shade him a certain, does Dino need to shade him a certain way? Um, a guy runs 12 sprints, but he usually runs six sprints. Okay. We're looking at stack has to speed go down the next day. If, if not, like he probably wasn't overtrained. If it did, that's a good way to look now at what we can do in the weight room, what Neil and Ron can do in the training room with, with what they do from a recovery standpoint to put somebody in the best position to succeed. Oral talks about how you, he wouldn't have slept had he played in this generation just because there's so much information to soak in if you want it. Oh, I mean, it is I, – I, I don't envy the player now that, like, has – I tell the story. You walk into our clubhouse, you have the video room. This is probably the first – like, you have Alex's office and you have the video room, which is the first thing. I've counted days where 20 people have talked to players before they've gotten to the food room, which is just through the locker room. And that's, that's no one's fault, but think about the athlete has all those different people that are coming to them with all that different information and all that's really good. And if you don't have a good filter, that's mm -hmm. tough. And, and so, um, being able, and that's what Andrew's so practical and Dave is so practical. Like Dave has helped a ton with that. Like get the information to the guys when they need it and, and only give them what they need. Like, don't, don't, don't leave too much out there for like room for interpretation because you got to think about, you can't think about stuff when you're playing. Mark is also amazing at that. You know, Mark's been so much fun to watch. I'm excited for him to finally coach a game, hopefully <laughs> as the pitching coach. <laughs> uh, but Mark has been so much fun to watch. He's been, he's taught me so much. Like obviously what he went through with it in his career. Like I was a huge Cubs fan, by the way, growing up, I grew up in the Midwest and so uh, I was obviously like a Cubs fan during the 03 season. So I ride Mark. Me too, man. This is, this was me. He's like, I've got, I uh, Nomar was my guy, like as a shortstop. I wore number five because of Nomar. Brady Quinn was my guy because, you know, Notre Dame Look football. At you. Mark Pryor was my guy as a Cubs. They're all friends now. It's wacky. One of these days <laughs> I'm going to wake up. But uh, yeah. Hey, I mean, Mark, Mark has seen it all and that's cliche, but He's seen it all and he's been it all. So he can relate with everybody. With every, he can be, he can relate with the elite player. He can relate with Kirsch because he's been at the pinnacle of the game. Maybe not to the level that, you know, no one's at the level that Kirsch is, but he at least has been one of the best pitchers in the game to know what that feels like. He's also not been able to throw a baseball without pain, which a lot of guys go through. And so um, he's just, it, it just starts because deeply rooted he's an unbelievable human being as as you guys know because you've been around him and but he just he's just very practical he's very honest and he just gives it to you the way it is because that's all he wanted as a player has he helped you with your coffee i was um i was a pretty poor coffee drinker before like i drank a lot of coffee mm -hmm. but not good coffee and now like we have a coffee thread um, I have a Mexican home. I'm buying one of the, I'm, <laughs> I've become quite the coffee snob. Yeah. And I'm faking it with Mark when Mark's in the room. Like he's, you know, he's talking like doc talks about wine. Yeah. 
and I'm like, oh yeah, it was a light blend, and it really the the fruit really popped, and I'm like, what am I talking about? I <laughs> But I just want to, you know, I just want to fit in with them so I, I can get in on the coffee when it comes around. It's funny. Your job is to transform bodies and players. Sometimes he's transformed your life as a coffee drinker. So totally. And but all all joking aside, like he's made me such a better like performance mind hmm. of of understanding the tech better, understanding when to use it, when not to use it, understanding the weight room. Like oral oral's been like not to not to beef you up while we're on the podcast, but like oral, I've had these conversations for eight or nine years now. And it's, it's been, uh, it's been extremely helpful of bringing it back to reality to have conversations with, with guys like oral and Mark. You know, what's fun is the, is to just expose what we go through on the field, mentally, physically training wise, and how we like you, excuse me, you touched on it with, you've got to have filters when you come in the locker room. And there, that was one of the biggest keys of having a long career was understanding myself and then understanding the information that guys like you would bring to me and how to apply it and when to apply it. And that's a huge tool that uh, Clayton Kershaw has. I'm hoping that Walker Bueller continues to develop and others Kenley Jansen has now. And so you can see guys that can have three or four good years because they just – they just out talent the uh, competition. They out strength them. <clears throat> but you, uh, when you have a guy who can pitch for fifteen to twenty years or play for fifteen to twenty years, you know that guy's got a good filter. And you've had a special relationship with Justin Turner and turned his life around. And he's got to have had a great filter with you guys in your communication. I still obviously like my my life has changed dramatically because of JT's career. Um, and I'm always grateful to him for that. The, uh, the thing with JT is he's a coach. Like he, he literally is a coach already who gets to play. Like he teaches me something about hitting every day. We go at it about what the body's doing. We go, we go at it about real versus feel and, you know, just things like that. And so it was really cool as he was going through a swing change in 14, I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to move to LA and we're going to train every day because it, because in, in 14, he hit what 334, uh, didn't have enough at bats to qualify for a batting title. But, and this guy like was on, I just watched him every game. Like he'd foul like two or three 96, 97 mile hour fastballs straight back. Like something, something's about ready to click with this guy. Like if he gets enough at bats, we got to make sure that he gets enough at bats for it to click. And so now JT adds the durability piece. And so we work together that whole offseason. He talks swing, I talk body. And that alone, it changed my mindset that like the weight room does matter on the field for those out, the old school guys out there say, oh, weightlifting's bad for baseball. It makes you tight. It makes you stiff, like whatever. Like when I started thinking about it, the way that he went about his business and JT was a kinesiology major at Fullerton. And so he's talking about the body and like, it just really synced up and it, and it changed my mindset on the whole thing of like how this can support it, but nothing will ever replace throwing a baseball or hitting a baseball. Like you have to be really good at that skill. And then everything else is just the platform that it lives off of. Brandon, what did you name your second son? Turner. Turner. Yeah. He, uh, he broke like Babe Ruth's record in uh, 15 in the playoffs. 
for batting average or doubles or something like that. And my wife and I were struggling to find a name. Turner was a little bit of a surprise because Caleb was, we found out when Caleb, like Caleb's first birthday party that Andrea was, you know, with Turner. <laughs> and so we struggled to like figure out a name. And then he goes off in the playoffs and I jokingly said like, let's just name him Turner. And uh, she loved the name. And like, All right. Well, we're, we're sticking with it. So, um, but it's pretty, it's pretty cool to be able like for Turner to obviously like be around him and meet him and see him. And we live fairly close to each other. So um, I'll, I'll always, you know, I always gleam when I see those two get to be around each other. Yeah. Who is the strongest guy on the team? Who's the strongest guy? Or who's going to be the most mad that I don't say? It <laughs> you don't name him the strongest. Uh, is it two different answers? Yeah, like pound for pound, Barnes. Barnes is a freak. Yeah, like, really? he's a little ball of fast twitch. Um, Walker. Walker moves weight faster than anybody I know. Um, is that explosiveness? Is that how that's defined? Yeah, I, I think that's a. I think that's a fair way to like. You've been in a weight room. We've we've done some we've done some workouts together. Like when somebody's got four wheels on, like four plates on, and the and they rattle. Yeah. Because that you move like that's Walker. Like he does a rep, goes and it sounds like an earthquake. That's when you know somebody's moving something fast. And so he's really good. Barnes is a, Barnes is the same way. He's got leverage on his side, um, but he's just a little ball of fast switch. So I always kind of break these up into categories. Barnes is the strongest. Walker moves it the fastest. Clayton will just outlast you because he'll be in there. He'll be in there forever. And then DJ Peters, um, he just eats the weights. He just <laughs> like it, a caveman. He just yeah. It, it's just it's not pretty, but but he moves them and and uh, and he just looks. He should probably uh, be a dual sport guy and play a little outside linebacker in the nfl too like grow his hair out nice and long um <laughs> yeah dj's uh dj him living in glendora and, and working out with us for the last five years in the off season like this is another it's another awesome like relationship to have to watch him grow up do guys just look at him over in the corner moving weight and go i'm just not even going to compete with him <laughs> no it, there isn't like there you know there's a level of like i can push myself a little bit and get with that guy today and then they see dj and you're like I think I'm just going to go outside now. <laughs> I'm going to quit. Yeah, you know what the funny thing is, too, right? So he's moving weights like that. He could be an NFL linebacker, but he could also be like a kindergarten teacher or a babysitter for your kids with his personality. Yeah. He's, who is your daddy and what does he do? He's like, he's Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and kindergarten cop. <laughs> That's so funny. He is, yeah. he, is, he is an absolute, he would not hurt a fly. Yeah. He would not. I, I say that like I obviously like I'm not going to go test it either to find out, but I don't think he would hurt a fly. He can hurt a baseball. Oh <laughs> God, you should see this right now. This batting RVS has been man Skoyak is is spent a lot of time with him yeah. um, over the over the last couple months, and DJ's like miss hitting balls yeah. up up into the lights, and you're like, what? Jeez. Yeah, and the, the whole contact thing. part yeah. of his tool. If his tool becomes contact, holy smokes, watch out. That's dangerous. That's a dangerous combo right there. I would love to get a chance to see that. I think we all would. We're going to finish up, Brandon, with some uh, rapid fire. And the answer to these are just going to be a name of a player. Mm-hmm. Oral, you got him in front of you, too? Yep. All right. Who, who's who got the best workout playlist? 
cursed. What is because it? it matches yours? <laughs> no, no, like I, EMD, like he's got. Is that what it's, is that what it's called? EDM. Yeah, e, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's not electronic yours. dance music. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, there you go. ED, EDM is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's you would never expect it. No, I'm surprised like, that that's the. It changed. Like he'll lift today because he threw last night. Um, he'll come in and it will be, it will be bumping. Yeah. All right. Who's the worst, Brandon? Um, they're not here anymore. We've had some guys. We had two pitchers in the past that listened to like some really, really dark like rock music. You don't like that? Heavy metal. I just felt like I was being screamed at, Hmm. to be honest, for about an hour. Talking like Slipknot and darker. Darker. I yeah, didn't know stuff that was... like you'd never even heard of. Yeah, like stuff I can't even. Uh, it, it it was. I'm gonna guess. Was it J.P. Howell? No, 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 no. <laughs> He'd be country. No, J.P. had some. J.P. had good music taste. So, yeah. so you're not yeah. gonna. Reveal J.P. also this would person. work out like once the game would start. Huh. That guy. Wow. We could have a podcast just talking about J.P. <laughs> <laughs> Kenley Jansen on the podcast earlier uh, during the quarantine named. Howell as the best bullpen conversation that he's ever had. Not to ruin rapid fire, but um, more because I'm scared of what the next question is going to be. The <laughs> Delaying the inevitable. Innings one through five in 13, 14, 15, Kenley, JP, and I would watch together down in the weight room. Mm-hmm. I also, I hope like Kenley gave him a ton of props too for like his mindset. Like JP is, JP is a bulldog. And I, I really think he had a huge influence on Kenley because JP at that point wasn't wasn't JP out anymore. Like it wasn't the same stuff coming out, but he still knew how to get guys out. And Kenley was obviously on his trajectory up. And yeah. I think mindset really played a lot into Kenley's success. Um, player that is most open to trying some new things in the gym, some some off the wall stuff. Doc. Yeah. 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 Not, not necessarily for me. But Jock's like, Jock's always, he's always got ideas. He's always got people. He's always got like stuff going on in the world. So Jock's my continuing ed. Like, I don't need horses in the house. <laughs> what are you doing? This one we've already done. So I'm going to switch it up and uh, I'm going to say, uh, who has made the most growth in the weight room as a player as you've watched it over your career? Yeah, biggest transformation. Yeah. Man. Somebody who came in like me, the 98-pound weakling, and all of a sudden, you know, mid-career, they're really into it. Gavin is the easiest one to say, I think, because it's, it's fresh. But, like, what did we draft Gavin at? A buck 75, and he's 205 now. Wow. And he's, he's put together. He's, he's gotten faster. Like, I always talk about college strength programs. Um, they have the ability to really get guys in their prime ages to develop power, like 18 to 21. And it was one of the things I thought was really underutilized in professional baseball because we were doing the same workouts with 18-year-olds as we were with, you know, 39-year-old Rich Hill last year. And so we really tried to capitalize on that the last few years with our draft picks. And Gavin's one of those guys that, like, got bigger, faster, and stronger by by taking advantage of that time in his life. And then the last one, I feel like you're the definitive answer of this question we ask this to everybody we've got a few common answers but you are qualified to give us the answer who wins a cage match mm. 
Joe Kelly. Okay. Oh. Yeah. What are the other answers? And they, uh, that's just like I'm not messing with Joe. Uh huh. Neither is Tyler Austin. Remember that a couple of years ago, Boston, that's, New York. That's part of it. Uh-huh. Barnes and Barnes and Baez have been near the top of the list. Yeah. That would be top top three for sure. So like Barnes, obviously, like let's let's just call him one B. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Baez, if he got his hands on you, no doubt. Joe is the unbelievable um, combination of length, size, and power. Like for him, like he has long arms. He's not necessarily put together, but he, I mean, he's he's put together. And then you don't just a hundred just doesn't come out of uh, that arm stroke if there isn't lightning in a bottle. And and I think you got to be, you know. I picked Joe. About three to five years ago, wasn't there a guy like UFC that was like the spider, that if he got on you, it was over? He wasn't a good boxer, but he's just an unbelievable wrestler. Is that Joe? Is that Was Joe, once he gets on you, you're done? Or is he going to hit you from a distance? I have a feeling that Joe's going to do whatever he needs to do to win. <laughs> like, that's where I'm yeah. That's where I'm at with him. Is like, if life gives you lemons make lemonade like that's joe's motto to, to cage match fighting i would assume love it brandon this is great man it's it's good to catch up and yeah. hope we'll be seeing each other more moving forward i love it for the fans you pull the curtain back and show them a little bit what's going on awesome i appreciate it look forward to waving you guys up in the booth can't <laughs> wait man Joined by the skipper again, Dave Roberts, who again is joining us from his office at Dodger Stadium. Good to see you. Good to talk to you again. What was the best thing you saw this week, Doc? The best thing I saw this week outside of a Walker Bueller bullpen, which he was sitting 94, 95 in a pen, uh, was the Dodgers versus the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. That was fun. You know, we've got to get a couple inter-squad games under our belt and to see our guys... uh, you know, take it seriously and compete, man. It was, uh, it's been a long time coming. Can't wait to hear more about that, but or I want to get your best thing this week. Well, it's not as exciting as days, but I saw a documentary uh, called outcry about a high school football player that was accused of something. And it takes you through five episodes of, uh, the pursuit for who did it and did he do it or did he not do it? And I'm not going to ruin it, but what is outcry, it on? I think it's on uh, showtime. Showtime. Okay. Like showtime. It. Best thing I saw this week is actually the best thing I drank this week. Neighbor oh, great. found out apparently that I was an old-fashioned guy. Ooh. And I was walking down the street the other day, and he, he shouted. He said, hey, I hear you love old fashions. My wife and I have one every night, and we have perfected the old-fashioned. And so he brought over this concoction. It's, his, it's the bitters and the sugar all boiled together with a cherry in it. And he said, just give this a try. And I gave it a try, and it was the best old-fashioned I've ever had. Wow. Okay, I'm, a, I'm an old-fashioned guy. I'm, I might need that recipe. And uh, <laughs> it, it, to that note, I, I've got something for, for both you guys. So Trish and I have been to this place in, in uh, Knoxville. It's on the foothills of the Smoky Mountains. It's called Blackberry Farm. Oral, you and Dana, you guys certainly got to hit that place up. It's kind okay. of the farm-to-table, um, boutique situation. And so there's a drink called the Huntsman. And so I got this from the Blackberry magazine, and um, it is with the the uh, rye, the rye whiskey. It's the vanilla syrup. It's lemon juice. It's egg white, uh, 
And uh, the floater is like a red wine, whether it be a Malbec, Merlot, Cabernet. Really? So it's really interesting. And you don't even really need to love rye whiskey to love the drink. But it, it's, a, it's, a picture, it's a picturesque drink. And then the egg whites actually adds a little different dimension as that little foamy, a different texture to it. It's, it's hmm. pretty fun. I would have never guessed the floater if you'd have said, okay, I'll give you five tries. What's the floater? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you, you can kind of use it at, at your disposal, but but have some type of red wine. There you go. I'll send this to you, Doc. I have actually have the bitter syrup recipe the guy okay. gave me, and um, I would read it to everybody, but I, I should probably check with my friend Dennis, my neighbor Dennis, before I give the world his secret. That's fair. I love recipe. this conversation because people wonder probably in the stands what we talk about around the cage. They probably think we're breaking down baseball. <laughs> oh, no, we're, we're breaking down cocktails. That's yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, but speaking of baseball, uh, th- those scrimmages, I know we've gotten to eavesdrop a little bit. They've, they've shown some of them on social media, going to do more of that, showing some on Sportsnet LA. Who and what has stood out to you over this first week? It's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, Jock Homer the other day uh, stripped off of Ross, but Ross threw really well, got through four and uh, was up in the fifth inning. Um, his, his mix was really good. Changeup was really good. He's worked on a new grip this winter. Um, Clayton looked good, throwing the ball well. Slider wasn't as sharp as he'd like it, but the velocity was, was really good. But the guys, I mean, really taking good at bats, making – Great defensive plays. JT made a play to his backhand. Arm strength is there. He looks great. Uh, Mookie already has an assist. And um, I, I just think that I, I get to see Trinan tonight, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. And, um, yeah, it's uh, Fergie was good the other day. Uh, Josiah Gray is a guy, a prospect that uh, we got over from the Reds. And um, he's just such a good-looking prospect with a big arm. So we got to see him too. So it's going to be fun. Skipper, you know, in a six-week spring training, there's time for competition. There's time for guys to really make a splash, and and you keep running them out there if it's a young guy and seeing, okay, when's he going to fail because then we'll probably be sending him down, and some guys don't fail, and they end up making a club. Is there any time for competition in these three weeks? Well, I I think that if you know, we know that we're going to break camp. On the position player side, I really don't see much of it, Um, but obviously you understand that with what the uncertainties with injury and this pandemic that people are all in play for the most part. And then on the pitching side, I think the, you know, there's some spots available. And obviously I think that we still have, you know, two and a half weeks left till we, till we break camp and anything can happen, but I love our depth. And regardless of where these guys start, whether active, uh, a starter in the pen, whatever roles, you know, I I know we're going to count on a lot of these guys throughout. So I, I, I still think though, which I tell our guys oral is every day is a test. So it's 30 man rosters to begin. Say that somebody is like man number 31 or man number 32, just fringe, don't quite make it. Did they then go to the alternate site or can they still be around Dodger Stadium? They'll go to the alternate site, and but there's also a taxi too. So they could be on the three-man taxi potentially okay. that travels with us um, because if something happens, you know, when we're on the road, then you got to have that extra, extra, those extra bodies or options. So um, there's three guys. One will be a catcher, and then two will be, you know, I'm guessing a position player and a pitcher. But your roster move is not, uh, you're not, you don't have to go to the taxi guy. If you've got enough time to get somebody from the other complex, you can skip the three guys in the taxi squad and go to somebody else. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Dave, what was your conversation like with David Price? Um, it was just more of, 
you know, in talking to him throughout the, throughout quarantine, he's very intelligent and was really in tune with what's going on, um, you know, with this pandemic. And um, he, it was it weighed hev- heavily on his heart, his mind. And I think for me, my basic my message was we support him. Uh, it was a tough decision. It had to be his decision. And um, just rest your, your mind and your heart. Because I think that there's a lot of anxiety that you feel you let people down. But no one in this clubhouse or Dodge Nation feels that way. And then there are currently seven players as of the time recording this uh, Wednesday afternoon yet to report. There have been rumors floating on the internet that Kenley Jansen is considering the same thing, given his heart issue that he's considering opting out. I know you, you can only tell us so much, but any light you can shed on that rumor? Yeah, I, I think that it's one of those, it goes in the bucket of you can't believe everything you read. And I've been in contact with Kenley uh, over the last few days, and I expect him back with us uh, very soon. So, um, yeah. There's some other impact guys on that seven that haven't, right? You've got Baez and A.J. Pollock. And I, I don't know yeah, the, the whole list off the top of my head. Tony Gonsolin, maybe? Sure, sure. And, and the thing is, is that there's these are guys that we need. We're counting on this year, and I expect them to be in camp. And I think that, you know, in light of what's going on, there's been information that's been divulged from various clubs, and that's kind of the player's right. Um, but I think as far as our players, we just want to keep that in-house and, until they feel they want to divulge why they're, you know, showing up a little bit later to camp. Any kind of rhythm developing there at camp for you, for the players? Yeah, there is. There is. I think that for us to, it, it's really important for us to be a Dodger stadium, I think. Um, understanding how we get into the ballpark, there's a new parking lot, how we get to the clubhouse, and how we prepare for the day, um, as opposed to coming from Arizona and then starting a season and kind of understanding you know, the protocols each day. Um, so that's been good. Our, our guys have really um, have been good at accepting it, trying to understand it, adhere to kind of the regulations. Um, rhythm, you know, we still got to get all of our guys here, but I do think that guys throwing pens and, and the banter back and forth, the batting practice, the grounders, guys preparing to play, I think that's something that we ha- really haven't missed a beat with since spring training. Is this pretty much the routine and the rhythm over the rest of summer camp, or are there, are there changes to the schedule coming up over the final couple weeks of this? It's going to be similar. Yesterday was a, was a light day where guys came in and you know got their lifts in, hit in the cage, threw a little bit. The pitchers did some flat grounds. We didn't have any bullpens. And today we're going to get to about four innings today, and then we're going to do a little situation on the field where it's the machine – and we're going to have the machine kind of cranked up with V-low, and then we're going to spin it as well and simulate extra innings. So uh, we're going to take the players off the field, but it's a hitting exercise as far as getting it on second base with nobody out and the you know call it the 10th inning and how you're going to execute getting this guy over. And then if he does, then you know play the infield in or back, whatever the game situation calls for. So we're going to do that. But as the days go on and the pitchers build up, the days are going to get even longer because we're going to go from four, five, six, seven to ultimately nine innings. There's a huge culture shift in that 10th inning. Have you noticed any culture shifts as far as the way the guys are celebrating, the way they're ragging on each other? Have you noticed anything changing where you can see them kind of body language start to do what they used to do and then they kind of have to hold up? Yeah, you know, Mookie scored a run and kind of did the air high five. Uh, Jock did the same thing. And it was funny, though, is that you do hear a lot more than you normally would where uh, there was an at bat the other day, Jock comes up to bat and Cody and Jock are really tight and there's, 
have a lot of banter between the two of those guys. And Cody's in center field and yells, easy out. And then Jock <laughs> kind of steps out, laughs at him. First pitch change up homers. And then he points at Cody in center field. And he's going around the bases, pointing and laughing and mocking him. So these are little things that meant it's going to be interesting to see uh, without the fans. And I know there's going to be some noise piped in, yeah. but man, we're going to hear a lot of things. Are we going to be like literally, hey, better, 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 hey, better, better, better. <laughs> so wing, better. Yeah. That's the, I just watched that show. I just watched that movie, Ferris Bueller, last night. <laughs> yeah. you know, they're at Wrigley Field and yep. Cameron saying, Bada 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 swing bada <laughs> Kennedy Kennedy Kennedy. <laughs> so funny. good. Give me like uh, little league or like the college World Series softball. Pitcher's got an arm like a washing machine. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the old one right there. <laughs> uh, uh, word is that Bob Guerin has been the home plate umpire for some of these games. How's his zone? <laughs> you know what, Bob's zone. Um, I I think considering it's been fantastic. I, I think that there's some pitchers that might complain. Uh, but guys are always going to complain, man, to have him back there and he's got his Dodger, uh, black Dodger suit on. So, I mean, Bob is dialed in. So it's funny though, guys, is that, you know, um, everyone around this organization is doing more and and that's, what's fun to see. So Bob taking the reins behind the home plate, uh, you, you wouldn't want it. You wouldn't see me back there. Let me tell you. (laughs) I watched the (laughs) inner squad game and stripling through a low and away slider to Justin Turner. And yep. it was called a strike, and I could see Stripling smiling ear to ear at Justin, and then kind of to his infielders, like, "Oh, I got that one." <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. And then later on, I think there was another at bat where Bob missed one, and then there was a clear strike right down the middle, and then he balled it. So he's just kind of chasing his tail, but it's just still good to have somebody behind there as opposed to, um, you know, a coach behind the mound. And I think for me, is we're all in uniform. And, and I think that it just sets a better tone where we don't look like a ragtag group and we look like professionals and competing because we only have such a small window to get ready. Would you ever formulate a couple teams and say, okay, guys, we're going to play three inter-squad games back to back to back, put up some prize money or something and, you know, just to bring the intensity in? That's good. So we've got three exhibition games at the end, uh, yeah. two versus the, the Diamondbacks, one versus the Angels. I am sort of thinking of a mini three game world series butting up to that exhibition those exhibition games and like um, the pitches will be built up and then we'll have a little bit more care games. clarity yeah so like a six inning uh you know win win two out of three and then we'll have some uh, bragging rights and we might put a pot of gold in, in the middle of it to fight for <laughs> love it our, our uh, top four this week we're gonna do this is a, this is a rick krajewski idea our producer the four things that you would take with you into, so think NBA or NHL style quarantine bubble, they're playing their okay. season. If you were going into a bubble quarantined, what four things are you taking with you? Okay, so I'm going to start. Um, I hope this is permissible. Um, I'm, I'm asking <laughs> no for a little bit of latitude. So as long as there's electricity, I'm going to bring my wine station that I have in my house. Love so. It. Um, you know, you're in quarantine, you're indoors, you're isolated. I'm going to need something to partake in um, from the <laughs> alcoholic uh, family, so the, from the wine family. So I have this wine station that has four different wines. So having that wine station after workouts would be fantastic. I'm going to bring my golf clubs and hope that some high-priced payer has this golf simulator so I can just <laughs> uh, play Pebble, I can play St. Andrews, I can do whatever I want with the golf clubs. Um I'm going to have my tennis racket. I've taken up tennis as well. So 
I don't know how I can kind of simulate the virtual with the tennis racket, but man, this is the big leagues. We're going to have a huge bubble, so I'm going <laughs> to practice my tennis. And the last thing, I'm going to have my Peloton bike so I can kind of uh, play for the tie after I'm drinking wine. I can play for the tie and burn some calories. Wow. I love it. Mine, Joe, mine, I, I, mine are kind of like Dave. My first one was a little bit more thinking I might be sick, and I just wanted to make sure I had my favorite corkscrew. There you <laughs> go. Hey, we to can make hang sure together. I could open the wine. Perfect. The, the other one is I felt like I might not be feeling good. So I'm a big, I need a lot of pillows if I'm going to be in bed all day. I need, like, I can't go with just two pillows. I got to have one under my leg to help my back. I got to have a couple behind my back. So I'm bringing all my extra favorite pillows in there. I got to have Apple TV. I got to have Apple TV just so I can uh, watch your concerts, you know. your Sarah yeah, Bareilles concerts. If I'm, if I'm over in the guest room, which doesn't have Apple TV, we've got it in the master and we've got it in the main room, but I don't have Apple TV in the guest room. And that's probably where I'd be quarantined. So I was thinking that for sure. And I don't know. After that, it was. I, I know what you want me to put, which is the Peloton like Dave. <laughs> <I> w- <laughs> you can w- use mine. Or- I was going to definitely find a way to, to ventilate the green egg and open okay. a window and have the green egg in there in case I could digest some of that food. There you go. So I'm, I, anytime I travel, I'm always worried about what is there going to be to eat? What are my food options going to be? Am I going <laughs> to get enough? So I'm bringing lifetime supply of protein powder just in case. <laughs> okay. You know, you never know when you get the days where you don't have food Readily available sure. to get your protein in. Skip, he is a bar guy. He has a lot of bars during the game to keep. Is, is, oh, he's a bar guy. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. All right. like, always yeah. got the bar. Yeah, sure. Going. Yeah. Uh, briefcase because I can put my computer and my phone and some books in the briefcase. So I'm cheating a little bit with that, putting several items into one. My foam roller. Okay, got to be able to roll out the joints. I'm thinking in the quarantine, <laughs> you may be. Maybe extra confined and get stiff and yeah, you gotta bring Body the foam aches. roller. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I I thought way too realistically about this. The egg is so damn heavy. I said, <laughs> why don't I just bring a small Weber kettle? A little easier. We want to know what kind of space I'm gonna have in my quarantine room. Mm-hmm. So hopefully my patio, you know, it doesn't need to be that big to get a little mini Weber kettle. That would look good because you could like close the toilet and put the Weber on top of the toilet and use the fan to get the smoke out. You could, yeah. I'm That's gonna let right. you try that. You let me know how it goes, and if it if it if the building's still Green standing, I'll fit try. In there. No, it would not. I'll tell you what's what's great about you you two is uh, you're like me in the sense that you know there's that that phrase: Do you eat to live or do you live to eat? And us three, we all live to eat. Oh, and, for and, and sure. And, and I don't apologize for that at all. Nope. It's one of the best things, huh? We got the show tonight because we're going to cover your three innings inter-squad game, Skip, and I'm doing it with the whole guys from the studio, but I'm doing it from Vegas. And I'm telling Dana, like, okay, I'll be off the show at 7.30. We're doing 6.30, 7.30. I'll light the green egg. We're going to have pizza around 8.30. I'll get it up to 700 degrees, and here we go. So... I've already, yeah, I'm planning out the whole day. Joe has got me so green egg now. It's like it's the whole day I look forward to that end of the day in the green egg. So after uh, trying and throws, Floro, Santana, uh, Caleric, I'll be thinking about you and, and jealous that you're going to crush some uh, homemade pizza with probably some Italian wine. So uh, yep. enjoy. Eventually here, the world will be back to normal. And we can all enjoy it together. That'd be great. Sound good? Love it. All right, Doc. Thanks, man. All right, boys. Thank Thanks, you, buddy. Our submission to the mailbag this week comes from Mark Shepard. Oral Mark wants to know what baseball game would you want to go back in time to broadcast? 
So I love this question, by the way. It is a great question, yeah. and I had a few. I was going to say Don Larson's perfect game in the World Series, and I said, I'm, that's going too far back. So I thought about my other one that I was on the edge of my seat as an active player, uh, but watching it, it was Game 7 of the 1991 World Series, Jack Morris against John oh, Smoltz. Yeah. Game 6, Kirby Puckett is the hero. He makes a game-saving catch. He hits an RBI triple. He hits an 11th inning home run to get him to Game 7 in a walk-off. And then Jack Morris throws a shutout, a one nothing shutout against the Atlanta Braves and goes 10 innings on his second start on three days rest, throws 122 pitches, and I was hanging on every pitch. It was ridiculous. I'm like 33 years old or whatever I am in 91. Yeah, and, and I'm an active big leaguer. And I'm like, this is one of the best games I've ever seen. I mean, there's nothing better than a pitcher's duel. And then when you put that in game seven of the World Series. Yeah, it yeah. was the longest game as far as an extra inning game in baseball since 1924. From 1924 to 1991, huh. a game seven didn't go extra innings, and this one, this one did. And Morris pitched all ten. You couldn't do the Don Larson perfect game as against the Dodgers. That wouldn't have been fun. <laughs> I know. So I'm glad That's you went not... with the one that you did. Uh, yeah. In thinking of the same thing, thinking of the. You know, the low scoring games, especially. I thought about Sandy Koufax's perfect game where Bob mm -hmm. Henley was close to perfect himself, gave up just the one hit. But that was kind of a random dog days of summer game to begin with. So it didn't have the environment or the buildup that, like yours, Game 7 of the World Series would. So I'm going to say Game 7 of the 1955 World Series where the Dodgers win their first championship. Johnny Padres, a shutout. 2 nothing win. Gil Hodges drives in both runs. You know, the Dodgers had lost to the Yankees seven times over the mm. last decade and a half in the World Series, and they finally broke through. And so just all that context surrounding that, it would have been better if it was in Brooklyn, if it was at Ebbets Field as opposed to Yankee Stadium. But I'm going to say that for an old one. And then a game that I actually watched and wish that I could have called – Game six of the 2011 World Series, St. Louis and Texas, I think is the best game I've ever seen. Mm hmm. Is that David Freeze? Yeah. Yeah. And that's Cruz making a few steps in to, mm -hmm. to possibly celebrate, and the ball yep. goes over his head. Yep. Wow. What a yep. nightmare. Yeah. And then Lance Berkman had a game tying hit in there. And, but even yeah. from the start, that game was incredible. You could just feel it building. As the game went on, you know, these magical moments happen and even second, third inning at St. Louis, a great environment. And mm -hmm. this yeah. is a, love the question, Mark. Thank you for sending it uh, off air with Joe and oral at gmail.com. Just the whole thing spelled out. What are you most looking forward to this week, partner? Um, because people know I'm leaving Vegas and coming to L.A. soon, I haven't gotten my full schedule yet, so I don't have a date, but everybody knows it's coming. So there's a lot of dinners scheduled because we're still open here in Vegas. So a lot of dinners scheduled with friends this next week coming up. So those are always fun. We already had one last night. We went and had a Taco Tuesday at our local Mexican restaurant, and it was a lot of fun. And there's about three or four more of those scheduled coming up. So we're going to be party animals with friends, kissing them goodbye for Don't hopefully three months in a world championship. Don't kiss them, though. You Elbow, well, elbow to yeah. elbow. That's the new Fist kiss. Fist bump, elbow to right. elbow. Yeah. Air kiss. Yeah. Uh, for me, we've seen more and more baseball stuff. You know, we've gotten back to practices and summer camp and getting to watch the uh, inter-squad games is cool. But 
you know me, I'm kind of a work junkie. And yeah. so just looking forward to continuing to get back to work and prep for what we still cross our fingers for will be an actual season. That's what makes you so good is that you love the prep. You and you're dedicated you to. to it. Yeah, but you're you're dedicated to it in a different way than I've seen with other people because you're dedicated out of passion and love for the game and not just because you want to do be the best broadcaster ever. You yeah, you have so many that. different motivations. I do love it. And you know what's cool about it is first of all as in this industry and no different for your position as an analyst you have to love to prep. You have to want to prep. But in terms of the loving baseball, the more I read about it, the more I prep, the more I love it. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, there there's so many layers. There are countless layers to pull back of the game, whether that's the X's and O's of what happens within a game or it's the historical layers to the game. Okay, same thing happened to me with the green egg that you turned me on to because <laughs> I really wanted to figure out how to make my meat here in Vegas a little bit more moist and tender because it dries out and I had to use higher temperatures and it takes so long. So I put beer and water in my drip pan for my ribs Mm -hmm. right from the very beginning. And I put in a container of water, like if you were doing a chicken and you were going to do a beer can chicken, I took the green egg apparatus that they put into the chicken and I put beer and water into that and had that off to the side on the grill. So I had two other things putting a lot of humidity and my ribs turned out amazing. So studying cooking is like studying now. Yeah. Like you study for baseball. The more you study it, the more you love it. Your rib method, are you doing my turbo method or are you going low and slow? I did. Yeah, I did your turbo method and they were so moist and juicy. I loved the flavor the first time, but I'm like, these are just drier than Joe's. And and so I said, you know what? I'm going to experiment, and I'm going to put moisture into my drip pan and some other moisture on the grill, on the grate, and it worked perfect. And those turbo ribs take a third of the time yes. as the low and slow ones. So it's like, eh, you could argue that the low and slow has something special about it, but I would argue that the other ones taste better and they're faster and easier. Are you so. able to stabilize your green egg at 225 or 350 and just walk away for a half hour or do you have to stay there and just keep watching it you know my personality so i I have a hard time just walking away and i know you're the same i think that the small so we both have extra larges right yeah yeah so the smaller eggs are easier to stabilize but the bigger ones they can be kind of fickle and i got here in the winter in vegas we have a lot of wind variations at sundown which is usually when i'm cooking so when the temperature starts to reach its peak and then starts to go down when the sun sets that's when we get our wind, and I'm up in close to the Red Rock Mountains, so the wind vacillates, and I have to figure Good. out which direction to have the vent open because if the wind hits it, it, it makes the fire go you know hotter. And if the wind dies down, and I've got the opening at, at you know half inch or a quarter inch, all of a sudden I start to lose my temp. So it's it's a challenge here in Vegas. Vacillation though, vacillate, yeah. yeah. Good. Can't wait Keeps to be engaged. back on TV with you. That'll be so cool talking about baseball and that's actually happening in front of us. There's going to be so much room in the press box. We might be able to bring a green egg up there. Ooh. Not going to be, Do you have to have six feet between the... you and the green egg, though? When you get in <laughs> yeah, the booth, we may run I out of space. I haven't so. found a mask big enough for my egg. Yeah, no, it would be a large one. It would be a tarp. <laughs> All right. Love you, man. Love you too, pal. <laughs>